Hello and welcome to Behind the Headlines for the week ending June 19, 2020. I'm Michael Kern from the Ottawa Business Journal. Behind the Headlines is a new-ish podcast where we take a look at the top local business news headlines of the week with OBJ's uh, editors. Uh, let's meet them now. We have uh, Peter Cavesi joining us this week and David Sally. Hello to both you gentlemen. In, uh, in today's podcast, we're going to take a look at three stories. Uh, first off, a tech company uh, based in Canada that is seizing the day in this pandemic economy. Next, we're going to take a look at a, a possible trends of companies downsizing their office space. And the third story of the week will be a digital agency based here in Ottawa that is sharpening its business focus. So let's go right away behind the headlines with story number one, uh, which is Canaxis. Uh, a uh, publicly traded, one of the few publicly traded tech companies that is still left in the city. And, uh, you know, we're always on the lookout for companies that are really going to emerge in this pandemic with more momentum and a stronger business model. So, Dave, Canaxis made a big transaction this week. Uh, tell us about that transaction. Yeah, absolutely, Mike. You want to talk about companies that um, that are really um, thriving during the pandemic. Well, Canaxis uh, is certainly one of them. It doesn't get the same headlines as its flashier publicly traded cousin uh, downtown, Shopify, but it is really making a move uh, over the past few months. It What Canaxis does is it, it uses big data analytics, just like we do to determine what the top stories are for the week, well, they use that to help companies manage their supply chain. So they take all this data, they mine all this information about sales and and um, and you know you know uh, inventory uh, uh, use and all of that to make sure that their clients, which and we're talking big companies here, Ford, Nissan, uh, you know Procter and Gamble, Unilever. Uh, to help them make sure that they don't have too much of the stuff they need to make their products, uh, while at the same time making sure that they never that they never run out of the stuff they need uh, when demand really spikes. And as you can imagine, during the pandemic, everybody's looking for an edge to make sure they're 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 operating as efficiently as possible. And uh, Canaxis is doing that. Uh, so this week they made a big jump to move into a vertical they haven't really been in yet, and that's retail. Uh, they paid uh, 60 million US to acquire a Toronto company named RubaCloud, um, uh, which basically uses machine learning technology, much like Canaxis, to help large-scale retailers. So think uh, supermarkets and um, household goods uh, sellers to make sure they have uh, enough uh, inventory to keep their shelves stocked. So as you can imagine, a uh, supermarket wouldn't want to run out of lettuce uh, or tomatoes or ground beef, but at the same time, it doesn't want to order so much that it ends up having to throw out hundreds of pounds of the stuff. So that's what RubaCloud does. It helps them predict how much uh, how much inventory to order. And now Canaxis is bringing that capability inside their tent. And uh, John Sicard told me that he's really pumped up about this deal just because of the potential of this market. Um, you know, he says retail could end up being a bigger component than all six of its current verticals combined. I mean, that just tells you how important this uh, the retail market is. And um, and Canaxis, uh, you know, it was already on pace to exceed 200 million in revenues this year, and that's only going to go up now. So uh, so you, uh, I'm really looking for big things ahead for Canaxis. Okay. 
So Peter, uh, let's bring you into this uh, Canaxis discussion. Uh, first off, nice haircut. You, you teased it last week, and, and now we get to see the final results. So, uh, so that's good. But anyway, getting back to Canaxis. Um, so as Dave said, it, you know, Canaxis is involved in supply chain uh, management analytics, and uh, they've moved into retail. Why do you think that's so significant? Well, one is just the size of it, as Dave mentioned. You know, this uh, does have the potential to be really transformational for uh, for the for the company as it expands its scope. The other thing, though, that uh, that you sort of alluded to in your introduction is just the timing of it. Uh, COVID nineteen has really put the spotlight on uh, companies' uh, supply chains. Uh, Mike, you and I were on a call with a company uh, based here in Ottawa this morning that was telling us that almost every of its purchasing decisions now includes a detailed discussion about where is a product coming from, what are the risks to the timeline and deliveries of it. Even as the health crisis subsides, these supply chain issues are likely going to be continuing to to linger for some time. So that really is going to increase, uh, I think, the, the market and the attention paid to solutions such as the um, software that uh, Canaxis develops. Yeah, I, I think Canaxis is going to be a very interesting company uh, to watch this year and uh, beyond as it moves into new verticals. So let's go to story number two. Um, uh, Dave and Peter, we've talked a lot in recent weeks about commercial real estate and, uh, you know, thousands if not tens of thousands of people are working from home uh, right now in Ottawa and there's this big looming question about whether companies will keep their office space change their office space go back to their office space uh, you know we had the big Shopify story so Peter let's start uh, with you one on this we have one company uh, also based in Canada I believe Centronic that is making some plans for their office space what are they doing Peter so Centronic is a uh, Swedish technology design firm that's uh, really been growing in a big way in recent years uh, in Canada. Uh, a year ago, it was approaching uh, 300 employees that had uh, grown to about 50,000 square feet over two uh, locations uh, in Canada and uh, really had its eyes set on expanding to 500 uh, local employees. However, COVID-19 is really um, affecting uh, those, uh, those, those plans, and now it's looking to sublease up to 40% of its space uh, in Canada amid a hiring freeze. Many of its uh, projects uh, that it had in the pipeline are being placed on hold as its customers uh, rein in their spending and delay R&D. So this is, um, I think, one of the first uh, concrete examples we're seeing of potentially the more longer-term impact uh, that COVID-19 uh, could have uh, as far as a slowdown on the water uh, economy, particularly in the tech sector. Today, let's get your take on this. You're in regular contact with many people in the commercial real estate industry. So uh, Centronic wants a sublet. What are, what are you hearing from real estate experts about the potential trend towards subletting? Uh, yeah, absolutely, Mike. What I'm hearing is that we're going to see a lot more of it. Um, I've talked to a couple of uh, veteran brokers who say that in a normal year, they might get maybe half a dozen requests from their clients to, uh, you know, look at subleasing. They've already had that many or more just in the last three weeks. Um, so this is going to be a real uh, strong emerging trend. I think there's no doubt about it. Um, you know, the people I'm talking to are just saying that everybody's kind of, in a state of flux right now, wondering what the workplace is going to look like uh, in six months, a year. Um, you know, are workers going to become so comfortable 
with uh, with you know with being able to work remotely from their kitchens and living rooms that that they're going to say, look, I I I I, I want to be back in the office sometimes, but I also want to have that flexibility to just stay home sometimes. And and what is that going to mean for uh, you, you, you know for the overall footprint that um, that their employers are going to require if people can share desks or they can you know get rid of some cubicles because that person now is working from home most of the time, um, that's gonna, gonna make a big difference in terms of, uh, of you know, overall demand for space. And, uh, and a lot of brokers are saying that, that companies, at least in the short term, are really giving strong consideration to, uh, to subleasing um, and you know, some of the uh, uh, p- potential benefits they could get from, uh, uh, f- f- from, from, from renting out space. So, um, so we'll have to see uh, just where this goes, and uh, and uh, I, I think we're really—it's going to take a while for the for the trend to fully establish itself. A lot of landlords are saying, you know what, let's let's wait 12 to 18 months. That's when we're really going to have a strong idea of, of in the longer term of where things are going in terms of work. So there's going to be a lot of upheaval, I think, for the next little while, and um, vacancy rates could be affected. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, the, you know, the interesting thing when I think about this is that any business deal needs a buyer and a seller. So if everyone's going to sublease their space, that's one thing. The question is, who's going to take the space? I don't know if there's going to be a lot of takers, but as you said, Dave, we'll have to wait you know, months uh, or longer to determine that. So we're going to go to our final story, story number three about a company called Iversoft, a company that's caught my name for several years, uh, well-known uh, female founder uh, in this city. And in fact, a com- uh, Iversoft has uh, sort of, I say, two 40 under 40 recipients, uh, one, uh, one at CEO, uh, Graham Barlow, and uh, Shauna Traguna, uh, someone who was recently working uh, with Iversoft, but uh, uh, but is kind of back on our own. But anyway, Dave, tell us about this digital agency. So this is a company that helps people, um, you know, with digital maturity is one of the words they use about. Tell us about what Iversoft is doing and how they're sharpening their business focus. Well, exactly. Mike, as you say, they're all about digital maturity, which, um, you know, which means they help companies craft their digital presence, uh, whether it's building a website, uh, helping them make a new app, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. The, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's what we've been, we've been hearing about for years. It's an emerging trend and they're really taking advantage of it. Uh, they, um, they help companies, everything from, uh, everybody from Audi to Tamarack homes and, uh, some, uh, some U S clients as well, uh, do this sort of stuff. And recently they've, uh, they've kind of, um, reinvented themselves. Uh, you know, Six months ago, they were really on track to kind of expand their customer base and their service offerings. They had a uh, they had a digital marketing arm that was led by Shauna Traguna uh, that was kind of um, on the path to making them a one stop shop. So not only would they build your app, but they would also help you do your social media marketing. Well, since the pandemic hit, they've uh, they've taken a closer look at things and they've decided to kind of. Uh, pair back, kind of rethink um, where they're going and in a bid to sharpen their focus, as Graham Barlow told me uh, earlier this week. Um, 
So as part of that, they've kind of spun off that digital marketing arm that Shauna led. She has, she has uh, left Ibersoft to start her own agency and has taken most of the marketing business with her. That's allowing Ibersoft now to focus on what uh, Barlow says it really does best, uh, which is web and app development, uh, really crafting that digital presence from that perspective. And, uh, you know, Barlow said it wasn't an easy decision. It never is to kind of, you know, have to have to kind of say goodbye to people. But uh, but in a sense, he said they're still going to be working with Traguna and her team, just not under their roof. So um, he says that's that's going to help. Uh, he feels uh, both both Ibersoft and Traguna in the long term. The other thing Ibersoft is doing is looking at, we were just talking about companies considering subletting space. Well, Ibersoft is thinking about getting rid of its uh, uh, space. It has a 12,000 square foot office uh, in Overbrook that it's currently renting. It's taking a look at um, possibly vacating that space and work and just uh, implementing a complete remote work strategy. Uh, its staff has been working from home since March already. Um, Barlow says that's going very well. A lot of staff are saying, you know what, we're actually more efficient working from home. We like it. Uh, should we not think about continuing this in the longer term? Um, and the other thing Barlow mentioned is that all, a lot of Ibersoft's employees already come from other parts of the countries. They recruit the best and brightest no matter where you live. And uh, so they say that that's actually giving them a leg up uh, and that continuing to go virtual by default just, you know, helps them hone sort of virtual culture, as he calls it. And uh, at the end of the day, that he feels like that's going to really help them win in the escalating war for talent. So we'll, um, we'll see where this goes and we'll see just what Ibersoft decides to do over the longer term. But clearly, um, you know, another company that's, that's really evolving and uh, taking a closer look at its workforce, uh, um, you know, uh, as the pandemic uh, has evolved. Yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, just picking up on that point, I think what's an, an interesting with the Ibersoft story is that they're probably uh, one of hundreds of companies that are looking to sharpen, sharpen the focus. And by the way, that's a very healthy thing to do for a company, especially in times like this, to rethink themselves. And then the second point just there on the remote workforce, it, it almost sounds like that uh, that Pythian model, right? That uh, uh, Paul Valet had way back when, where he was gonna hire superstars uh, and it didn't matter where they were. Uh, anyway, we're gonna start wrapping up and, and Peter, you're gonna help us take a, a, look, a look ahead um, what's on the schedule coming up, Peter? Well, one of the big projects that OBJ is tackling in June is the Welch LLP Ottawa Business Group Survey. So this is a project that's now in its sixth year that uh, we go out and ask uh, local business leaders to share their insights into their confidence in the local economy, the confidence uh, in, uh, in, in, in their markets, as well as some of the issues uh, and uh, challenges that, uh, that they're facing. In 2020, arguably, the, uh, the Ottawa Business Pro Survey uh, has never been more important. Uh, we've taken a, a specific uh, approach this year to uh, be asking uh, um, Ottawa's business community about 
how the pandemic has uh, both uh, affected their business as well as to uh, to share their insights into the uh, opportunities and challenges ahead. So, uh, and we're asking uh, um, our uh, our audience to uh, to help us with this really important uh, editorial research project. The easiest way to participate is by going to obj.ca/events, and there's a link uh, right uh, right there to uh, to take the survey. Uh, the other really exciting project that, uh, that we're tackling is uh, the, uh, the 40 Under 40. I know we've talked a bit about that in the past. Uh, this week, we started to roll out some of the, uh, the profiles of uh, this year's uh, recipients. And that's going to continue in the, uh, in the coming days, uh, culminating with the, uh, the special Ottawa Stronger Together broadcast uh, this coming Thursday. Thanks, thanks for that, uh, that look ahead, Peter. Um, a quick point on Ottawa Business Growth Survey. I couldn't agree more that in a state of uh, economic uncertainty, it's really important for local business owners and CEOs to be taking this survey. This, the data from this is used by people at City Hall, economic development, uh, water trade, so on and so forth. So really important for us not just to have anecdotal evidence of what's going on, but some factual evidence. And last thing, again, uh, thanks for uh, plugging the uh, big broadcast next week, Peter. So. We will be presenting the 40 under 40 in a really unique way. It's called Ottawa Stronger Together. It will be a broadcast. If you're a Rogers Cable subscriber, you can check it out on uh, Rogers Channel 22. Uh, if you're not, you can. it will be on YouTube Live, and you can go to ottawastrongertogether.ca uh, for uh, viewing details. Well, that's it. All the time we have uh, for this week. Thank you very much, Peter. Thank you, Dave, for all the great work you're doing and sharing local business news. And uh, for our audience, as we uh, wrap up, just a reminder that you can stay connected to all the business news by visiting obj.ca. That's our website, updated regularly uh, throughout the day. You can subscribe to OBJ Today, which is a weekday email newsletter. And this podcast continues to be available on our YouTube uh, channel. And uh, it's also available in audio format on Spotify. That's all the time we have for this week. For Peter Cavessi and David Sally, I'm Michael Curran signing off for the Auto Business Journal. Please stay connected. Cheers. Mm -hmm.